0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracetysd.com.
1: Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke bars from the neck of Jeremiah the prophet and broke them. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within two years. But Jeremiah the prophet went his way. Sometime after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke bars from off the neck of Jeremiah the prophet, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go tell Hananiah, says the Lord, you have broken wooden bars, but you have made in their place bars of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put upon the neck of all these nations an iron yoke to serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him, for I have given to him even the beasts of the field. And Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. In the same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles. And to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shapheth, and Jemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said... For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Let's pray. Father God, I pray now that as we read this passage, you would show us what it is to be Christian, Lord, that as we follow you, where it's not about me, it's not about um, you just changing my life, God, but it's, it's about you wanting to affect the entire world around us. And so now, God, um, show us what that means, what that looks like for our city, what it looks like for this school that we're lucky enough to be able to Sit in right now, God, and how to help these people in our community, um, knowing that it's because you have died for their sins and you want to know them deeply, um, just like you know us. So we thank you that you know us and we thank you that you want to know them. And Father, now as we read uh, this passage with Randall, that you would just bless him and give him the word to speak as well. We thank you, Father. In your son's name, we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Ricardo. Uh, good morning, everyone. How you doing? Good? I love the excitement. I just feel it. I just feel it this morning. Um, so uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Randall, uh, pastor of Grace City here. Um, and over the past few weeks, had some different guest speakers come. Um, and, and it was a joy last week to hear my brother, Jen Darm, uh, preach. Um, you know, very early on in the church, our, our church is about to turn seven years old, but very early on in, in the church, I remember... Uh, coming home very discouraged one day and I was sitting in the backyard uh, and this thought was going through my head uh, are we wasting people's time are we wasting people's time and I remember my wife coming to me she's like what are you thinking about she always asked me that what are you thinking about sometimes there's nothing there's nothing going on up there it's just but then that time I was thinking about something I was thinking maybe we're wasting people's time and she said you know that's not from God that's not from the Lord and uh, sometimes you need people sent into your life right to tell you the truth of what God is doing and and really what the truth is about uh, life and and his calling and uh Last week was just another reminder to me that um, it's God, that God's at work, that God has done uh, great things in our midst, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just tearing up on the front there just seeing uh, gendarme preaching and uh, being able to be a part of what God's doing here in our community, so uh, just thank you, God. Thank you, God. Uh, so we are uh, going to be doing a vision series now, if you've been around Grace City for a while, we usually we do a vision message uh, twice a year. Uh, but this year is a little bit different. I felt that uh, we needed to do a vision series because uh, there's a lot going on right now. And this thing is, I'm feeling it. I, I heard it last week too, Gendarme. You know, at the end, I was like, it's starting to pop a little bit. Um, but... Felt like we need to do a vision series. The times that we're living in are are extremely difficult when it comes to living as Christians in the world. And we don't know how to do it. And so we're going to be doing this vision series over the next uh, three weeks in Jeremiah. And as we look at Jeremiah 28, 29, uh, today, we're going to be really diving into Jeremiah 29, Uh, Because I think this is going to be extremely helpful for us to understand the times that we're living in. And in the fall, we're going to be studying the book of Daniel. Uh, Now, Daniel lived during the time of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah gives this this vision uh, to the people to embrace the city, to love the city that God has uh, called them into exile Uh, But somebody who lives it out is the prophet Daniel. And so we're going to look at Daniel this fall on what it looks like to be resilient disciples of Jesus, resilient disciples of Jesus. And here's why. Because many of you have seen friends, maybe even family members, maybe you've been even so discouraged yourself that you thought, am I wasting my time with this Jesus thing? Is Jesus really there? Is God real in my life? And I want to tell you and encourage you and assure you, yes, yes. But what does it look like to be a resilient disciple in the times that we live in? And so our text this morning is from Jeremiah 28, and we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 29, 7, but particularly in 29. But I wanted you to get 28 because you've got to understand the context of what's happening here. And the message today is seeking the welfare of our city. So that's the first installment of our vision talks is seeking the welfare of our city. Now today's text in Jeremiah is about a time in history where the people of Israel were invaded and taken captive by the Babylonians. Uh, Babylon at the time was a massive ancient city. Filled with people who had radically different belief systems about religion, morality, and the nature of the world. The Israelite people were exiles in a foreign, pluralistic society. A working definition that we're going to use for exile is this someone who is absent from their true home. Someone who is absent from their true home. J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote the Lord of the Rings series, said this. He says, Certainly there was an Eden on this very unhappy earth. We all long for it, and we are constantly glimpsing it. Our whole nature, at its best and least corrupted, its gentlest and most humane, is still soaked with the sense of exile. Of exile. Do you feel like an exile? Because what we're going to study in the book of Jeremiah and looking at the book of Daniel is it's talking about believers who are exiles. But do you feel like an exile? Pastor Jason Peltier said as Christians in America we have we can easily find ourselves unsure of how to interact with the culture around us. It's easy to feel like there are only two choices retreat from culture or assimilate to culture. For people who grew up in a Christian household, there's the tendency toward the first option, shutting out the world around us in order to protect the purity of the community. But this leads to Christians that never engage with society. And you have to engage with the world if you're going to love the world. On the flip side, for newer Christians who Don't grow up in a Christian family. There can be a tendency to be just like the people in the culture. Under the facade of witnessing to friends, the new Christian's life might not really look at all different from the cultural norms. They offer nothing of gospel value to those around them. But there's another way forward that is not such a simple binary. And this way of interacting with culture hinges on the concept of being in exile. And so what's your posture right now to the world around you, to the culture around you? Are you retreating? Are you assimilating? Or like this pastor says, is there something more? Over the next three weeks for our series, we'll be studying this passage in Jeremiah about exiles that live in Babylon. Babylon. But in in studying this exile of Israel, I believe that there's wisdom that we can take and learn for today about God's vision for the church, but also particularly for our church and how we live out our calling in our community today as a faithful presence of the gospel. Now, throughout the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, it refers to believers as exiles in the world Uh, In the the New Testament, it tells us that we are ultimately citizens of heaven. And in the book of Jeremiah, we see God's call to the nation of Israel to live as exiles that seek the welfare of the city. Look at Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Here's what it says. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, when we think about the vision of Grace City from the very beginning, we are heavily influenced by this verse. By this verse right here. Because our vision as a church is to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. A church for our city, to serve, to love, to pray for our city, our community, and we're gonna talk about why that's so important and some of the other options that are out there of how we can live as believers, but truly, what is the calling that God has placed Grace City Church to be here for? I believe it's to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. There are many pursuits that our community is looking at and saying, this is where real life is. And they're dead ends. They are spiritual dead ends. But the truth is that life is truly found in Jesus Christ. And so, how do we as a church family live like that? Well, we must first understand this question Do you feel like an exile? Do you feel like an exile? This won't be up on the screen. But in one of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermons, he said this. This will blow your mind. But here's what he says He says, We have allowed our, civili- our civilization to outrun our culture, we have allowed our technology to outdistance our theology. And for this reason, we find ourselves caught up with many problems. Could we take that from his sermon back in the 60s and plant it today in our time, in our season? See, friends, our technology has outpaced our theology, and we need to get back to a solid foundation of what it looks like to live with a sound theology, and it starts with understanding that you and I are exiles. We're exiles. See, from the beginning... Of the Bible in Genesis, Adam and Eve were exiled from uh, away uh, from God when they were banished from the Garden of Eden, and as representatives of all humanity, their true home and ultimately our true home is to be with God. But because of sin, we all naturally live in exile away from God, even if we don't realize it. We can call this separation spiritual exile. And it's a form of exile that is experienced by all humanity. Colossians 121 says this. It says that you were alienated from God. Why is it at times you feel this tension and this need for something more? It's because you were made for something more. The grand narrative of the Bible can be summarized as God's saving work to reconcile the world to himself. To bring humanity out of spiritual exile. And and we see throughout the Old Testament that God illustrates the condition of the cultural exile that we're going to see here to remind us of our spiritual exile. The spiritual exile that we have. Now let's quickly fast forward to the New Testament. Uh, The Apostle Peter writes a letter to Christians in 1 Peter 1. And he calls them exiles. Hold on a second, I get it, Old Testament. What about New Testament? Wait, Peter, what are you talking about? Exiles. Some of them might have been confused because they've been living in that same place for most of their lives, but he's calling them exiles. Peter, at the end of 1 Peter, closes the book by saying, she who is at Babylon sends you greetings. It's 1 Peter 5.13. At this point, Babylon has not been an empire for hundreds of years. What is he saying? He's taking this Old Testament theme of exiles living in Babylon and applying it to Christians, believers, to you and me. See, the Bible calls this tension the already, not yet. Do you feel the tension of the already, not yet? Do you feel like an exile? In November 2019, David Kinnaman and uh, uh, Mark Matlock Wrote a book entitled Faith for Exiles Five Ways for a a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. They call it Digital Babylon. And here's what they write We describe Digital Babylon as accelerated, life moves faster and complex, life is uncertain and difficult to predict. The reaction of many people to these facts of exile is a low-level anxiety that never really goes away and that occasionally ratchets up to high-level anxiety. Three out of five young adults tell us that they are stressed out. Seven out of 10 say they are concerned about the future. In Barna's uh, first comprehensive study of Gen Z, the generation coming up after millennials, anxiety is a recurring theme, especially related to things like education, career, money, and relationships. Apprehension infiltrates many aspects of modern life. Now, let me ask again, do you feel like an exile? Does that describe what you feel if not on a daily a weekly basis, do you feel like a captive at times to the watch to the phone jeremiah twenty eight and twenty nine are helpful for us today, and so we 're going to study this, but this is going to help us to understand kind of the vision of where our church is going and what we 're hoping God does in our midst but uh, what vision does God give to his people living in exile here? Well, he, we see three things that he encourages them with. The first one is to identify false messages. To identify false messages. Second, trust God's guidance. And three, embrace life now. Embrace life now or in the present. And so the first one is, identify false messages. Let's look at verses uh, in chapter 28, 15 through 29. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. Yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am about to remove you from the face of the earth the very year This very year, you're going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. The seventh month of the same year, Hananiah the prophet died. This is the text of the Lord that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so, first, what's happening here? What's happening in chapter 28? Well, Jeremiah is identifying the false messages that the people of Israel were hearing. There were things that Israel wanted to hear. Hananiah was sharing some information, some, some uh, he, was, he was prophesying about some things that they loved hearing because basically what he was saying is this, God's going to strike down Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon's going to be gone. It's going to be about two years, and all of this is going to be over. Jeremiah says that's not true. That's not how it happens. See, many times in our lives, we want things to just be a quick and easy fix. We don't want much sacrifice involved. We don't want much, yes, the C word, commitment. We don't want much of that. We want convenience. And what Hananiah and the message he was telling them were really false hopes and dreams that were distracting the people from a different vision, a clear vision that God had for them. So here are some of the voices that the people were hearing. First, we hear Hananiah. And so Hananiah is basically saying, And the prophets during that time were encouraging this. Don't go in to Babylon. Stay on the outside. Stay on the outskirts. Don't go into the city. But basically, stay outside of the city and use the city of Babylon. Exploit the city. You know, go in there, work, make money, bring it all out here, and then we'll build up our own little community. Our own separate community. And so that is what Hananiah was preaching. He's saying isolate and use the city. That's the first message. But second, there's another message because what we see is that the people of Israel were brought to Babylon. Now, this is an important military strategy because uh, there's some different strategies that can be used for conquered people. One of them is they can drive them into the ground, and enslave and, and, and them. And, and we see that happening to the people of Israel under Pharaoh, right, in Egypt. They do this. That was their strategy. But, but what happens is it, it just kind of builds up this anger and this angst amongst the people. Babylon was different. They had a different military strategy. Their strategy was to take the people from the outside, bring them to Babylon, and for them to look around at Babylon and say, wow, Look at how great this city is. You know what? I got hopes and dreams too. Maybe I could see myself here. And they start to build the city in a different way. The way that Babylon wants them to build it. This is assimilation. See, they were carried into exile. Timothy Keller gives some insight to this. He says, with assimilation, you say, oh, you can live with us? And you can have all the best jobs as long as you become just like us. Do you see what the goal is? Do you see the strategy? You assimilate the people group intellectually, socially, culturally, and spiritually so that the community loses its ability to have its own distinctive understanding and interpretation of the world. Within a couple generations, they're gone. They want the jobs, they want the money, they want the power in order to get it. You have to become culturally and spiritually intellectually and socially just like the Babylonians. In a couple generations, they're gone. See, God is speaking to his people saying not to isolate from the city, not to use the city, not to assimilate into the city because all of these are false messages not from God. And so what was the strategy that God had? We're going to look at that in a minute. But to think, where are you, where am I right now when it comes to our faith? Why is it that maybe our faith doesn't look much different from the people around us? Well, again, Kinnaman and and Matlock call this the digital Babylon that many of us have just assimilated and here's what they say. They say, young people are looking to their devices to make sense of the world around them. They're using the screens in their pockets as their counselors, their entertainers, their instructors, and even their sex educators, among many other digital Sherpa roles. Why make the effort to talk to your parents or teachers when they can privately ask the smartphone in their hand? As a parent of a, I call him a tween, He's a tween. He doesn't like that. But a tween. Like, and I'm seeing, I'm, I'm about to have two middle schoolers in the home. I'm like, this is the generation that's coming up. This is the generation that's coming up. To have a conversation with an actual person, when you can Google it privately, What seems more appealing? And what are the answers that you're going to get? They're going to be completely untethered to the truth of God. Completely untethered to the truth of God. Many voices, many false messages. Friends, we're living in the midst of it right now. And many of us have already assimilated to it. So, the second point is trust God's guidance. Trust God's guidance. Look at verse 4. This is what the uh, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So, God comes in and speaks. He sends Jeremiah, but now he's speaking. First, what does God say? He says, it says this, the Lord is, or, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. And so it starts with hearing his voice. Now, a lot of voices out there. A lot of distractions. One of the things that I realize the most um, is just how distracted I am. I don't know if you struggle with that, but I'm just like, Distracted. When was the last time you listened for and heard God's voice? When was the last time you were like, I, I know that God's speaking to me. I know that, that God is, is leading me. About a week and a half ago, I went to a prayer retreat. It was, it was great. It was up in the mountains um, with other pastors. But basically, it was like, Turn off the phones, get away from technology, just spend time in the word, listen for God's voice. And I was talking to one of the pastors and he said, you know, the silence makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. How many of you, when when we get into silent space, it starts to make us a little uneasy, a little uncomfortable. We don't really know what to do. We wanna go back to the distraction. There's this like weird twitch in our hand and we're like (laughs) looking for the phone that's not there. Do we realize how distracted we are? But not just that, how much God wants to speak into your life? How much God wants to speak into my life? Because as I got outside of the noise I'm telling you, things are busy right now at my house. Things are busy. But as we got away and as I got away and just started to listen, what I realized were were some different things about myself that I needed to to hear from God. One of them was that I needed to, uh, to repent of something that I've been holding on to for a long time. Somebody spoke into my life. They said, I think, Randall, you need to repent of fortitude. I'm like, what does that mean? cuz I was sharing with him the past 2 years and just I was like you know I'm just kind of like putting my head down and I'm like those that type of person who really enjoys um you know the underdog story I like Rocky I, I can watch it if it's on TV anytime like I'm just like I'll just stop, sit, stop. okay we're watching it you know like that type of thing like I just I love the underdog story but I was encouraged, maybe, Randall, you need to repent of some of that because that thing that you're trusting in is not from God. But I had to, like, get away to actually hear that that was something that wasn't a good thing. It was something that God was trying to work out of my life, that I need to stop psyching myself to, up uh, to, to be better because I'm the underdog and fighting from behind and actually trust that he's fighting for me. That he's my protection and I don't have to live in self-protection. How many of you are self-protecting? How many of you are not vulnerable because you're scared? I get it. But to let the Lord be that in my life. See, many of us are so distracted by our devices that we are looking to hear from God. To ask that question, you know, how should I live right now? Hasn't crossed our minds because we're too busy binging Netflix shows, YouTube videos, likes on social media, that hearing from God has become the distraction. Hearing from God has become the distraction. The most important thing that you and, and I need in our lives is a fresh word from God. It's a fresh word from God. And so the encouragement here in verse four is that God is saying something to his people. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that God's word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so God wants to speak to his people. But second, it's understanding that God sends. Here's what it says. All those I carried into Israel from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, this is interesting here. How does this fit into our theology? How does that fit into our theology? Hold on. God sent his people to Babylon? God sent them there on purpose? Could we believe that God could lead us into difficult situations, difficult relationships, difficult jobs, Could we believe that God could lead us into parts of the city that are just hard to afford and live in? Could we believe that God could lead us in that way and that he could be working good and be present in the midst of it? We can get so discouraged sometimes. We say, look at how hard this is and how hard this feels. But could God be the one who sent us into that? To teach us something? Because that's what's happening with the people here. See, exile challenges us to choose who we will serve. Who we will serve. The idols are brought out. Do we serve money? Do we serve convenience? Do we serve, okay, it, it, God, if you give me this job, then I'll serve you? Is that what we serve? comfort Derek Kidner is a commentator here says notice the starting point that God has sent these exiles to Babylon at the very least then they should accept the situation they should accept the situation how do we know we're not accepting because we're filled with complaints we're filled with griping griping Could I get another mic? (laughs) I'm just going to turn this off. There we go. All right. But to accept the situation that we're in. Have we accepted the present times that we live in? Have you thought about this before? Have you thought to yourself, man, I wish it was a different time period when things were cheaper and I could actually afford a house? You know what I mean? Like, I wish it was that I could actually afford gas. Like, I, I wish it was a different time. You're just, like, wishing that you were living in a different time than when God puts you and accepting the situation that you're currently in. Friends, what does it look like to live as an exile right now? Because that's the last point. Embrace the present embrace life now look at verses five through seven and we're going to dig into this next year uh, next week we're going to flesh this out and really talk about what this looks like for our church family and how we're going to really encourage all of us to live into this but uh, verses five through seven build houses and settle down plant gardens and eat what they produce marry and have sons and daughters Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they, may, uh, they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. There, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So here's the thing, friends. As God is speaking to his people, he's speaking hope. He's speaking life. He's speaking to say, all the fears, all the anxieties that you're carrying are lies. How many, how many of us just like, we, we just get so caught up in all of the, the media and all of the things that they're telling us about, this generation, and, and every, all the scary things that are out there right now? How, much of, uh, how are we just being discipled by that on a daily basis and not living in the peace of God? Not, not embracing the life that he's given us right now and just saying, God, you're with me. And so help me, help me to, to, to not isolate myself Help me not to, to run, but also help me not to assimilate to these ideas that are being thrown at me on a daily basis, but help me to invest and pour in to what you're calling me to do right now. Stephen Smith, on this text, he's a commentator, says, God gives clear directives build houses, provide for yourselves, have families. In other words, They're to have the posture of presence. God is saying they're to spend their time not moping about what was lost from the old country, but actually thriving in the new land. By the grace of God, what does it look like to thrive in life right now? Because people are discouraged. The world is discouraged. But if you and I have Christ in us, what are we doing moping around? What are we doing living hopelessly? What are people going to see that's distinct and different in us than what they see in their own lives? Because God is speaking, and he's saying, hey, embrace the present and know that I've brought you to this time. Like, the book of Acts tells us that God sets seasons, times, places, sets people where they need to be. Do you believe that about yourself and your life? Do you believe that there's purpose that he's given you for today? Because by the grace of God, he's saying, live. Jesus says, I, I, I've come to bring life and bring it to the full. He says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What do you feel like your life is filled with right now? Discouragement? You feel like life is just being stolen away from you? You feel like the future is just destroyed? Or do you feel like when Jesus says, I have come to bring life and bring it to the fullest, that he's telling the truth? That he's telling the truth. See, the thing we need to understand is this. This isn't a different year or a different decade. This is 2022. We're living right now. And you and I have been called to live through the pandemic and everything that we face and all the things that are coming ahead of us. God puts you on this earth right now for that. And by the grace of God, we want to live with a hope and a peace that only Jesus Christ can give. See, this is in another part of the country we live in San Diego, California, finest city in the United States, right? Can we get excited about that? You live in the finest city in the United States. Praise God. This isn't a different time of our lives. This isn't a different time of our lives. I'm realizing I am not in my 20s anymore, right? Like, I'm about to be 40 years old this year. But you know what? By the grace of God, I thank God for my 30s. I want to live the fullest in my 30s and Head into my 40s by the grace of God to live that out. Where are you at in your life right now? Are you okay with that? If you just graduated college, like are you okay with being post, like, post-college? Are you okay with that? Are you wishing for seasons and times that were in the past? Friends, God is moving right now. And so are you leveraging the season of life that you're presently in? We're really going to dive into this in this series. And we're going to talk about as a church how we want to equip you. Because our mission as a church is to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. And I know that everyday life is not easy. And You need the gospel. You need the message of Jesus every single day. I need it every single day. And so just some takeaways for today. Because I really want us to get down deep. To that question, do you see yourself as an exile? If we don't see it, we don't understand it, then, then is, this isn't going to make sense. We got we to gotta see it. And so the first one is this. We must see that we are exiles. Look around at your life Look around at all the things that you've got going on right now. Look at, look at all the distractions that are right there. I just know that the scriptures, there is a theology of living as exiles, the already not yet. If you feel the tension, that's what it is. That's what it is. You're not going to fit neatly and perfectly into this world and this culture as a believer in Christ. And so the second point is we are a counterculture. We are a counterculture. Now, this takes discernment. This takes discernment because as we saw, Hananiah came with this message of you need to isolate yourself. You just need to use the city that you're in. How many people in our city isolate themselves? Maybe intentionally or unintentionally isolate themselves. And maybe it's out of fear. Maybe it's, it's, we're just scared. We don't, we don't know how to interact because just the way that, that digital media and, and social media and all that stuff has infiltrated into our lives. We're like, I don't even really know how to interact with people anymore. How can the church be a counterculture to that? Because the Bible says that we're a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Why do we talk about family time and all of these things? Because it's a part of the DNA of Jesus's church. We want you to find relationships here because it's not going to be on a Sunday morning that it's going to be the end-all be-all of your relationship with Jesus. Do you know a part, I I finished that, the, the, uh, Faith for Exiles, five, five things. I'm going to tell you one of the things. We're going to walk through that in, in some of this series. But do you know one of the, the, they did studies on people who were resilient disciples. They did all these studies. They said, what, what, is it, what does it take to be resilient in your faith in Jesus? Do you know one of the, the, the answers was intergenerational relationships, intergenerational relationships, where you have believers that are in your life that are older and younger. And and, and what what they call it is um, reciprocal mentoring. It's reciprocal. Because it's not just the younger that's receiving from the older, but it's the older that's receiving from the younger, it's, it's, it's feeding back into one another. You're having these relationships. That's what the church is. That's what the church is. And so it's, it's both of us, right? If I have a mentor that's older than me, pouring into me, but also I'm giving into his life, right? That that's happening. And so that's a part of being a counterculture, Again, in this Faith for Exile, it says, in order to live well and wisely in the complexity of digital Babylon and thereby diffuse anxiety, we must build our muscles of cultural discernment, the ability to compare the beliefs, values, customs, and creations of the world we live in, digital Babylon, to those of the world we belong to, the kingdom of God. And once we've made that comparison to anchor our lives, including our use of technology to the theology or theological, moral, and ethical norms of God's kingdom, friends, that's going to take some work. That's going to take some work. But that's why the church is here. Right? And so building in and helping, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And so it is pouring into this community this church community, and saying, how are we a, a counterculture that goes against the isolation, the loneliness, the depression, and offers hope in Jesus Christ? True, real, authentic, vulnerable community. Isn't fake. Isn't a show on Sunday. But it's a true body of believers that love Jesus. Lastly, lastly, We are for the city. We are for the city. You know, many, many come to San Diego. And, 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 and this should really break our hearts. This should break, you know, like, it's easy to use this city because it's so beautiful. It's so great. You're like the finest city in the United States. Yes, I love I talk to people from LA. They're like, I love San Diego. I'm like, I bet you do. Like, you know, like, I bet you do. <laughs> like, I love coming down there. You know, they love to visit, you know, and, and, and people love to come in and use this city. But what does it look like for us to love our city? Not just to love the things about our city, but to truly love our city. And be like, you know what? This is our neighborhood. This is our city. We're here. We're standing our ground. Like, we're we're... We're in the community. We're pouring into this. We're pouring into the schools here. We're pouring into the neighborhood uh, community groups here. We're we're pouring in on campus. We're serving. Not just with the label of like Christian things. Like jump into community things that are good things that would be right in alignment with the heart of God. Been serving Since we got here in this community for the 4th of July celebration, it's this big event uh, for the community. There was around 2,000 people who came this year, had the privilege over the past few years to be the chair for the event. And I'm telling you, sometimes I'd get to the point where I'm like, I just wanna give up. This is too hard. It's just too hard. It's like, you know, like, it's arguing about different things. I'm like, this, is, this doesn't make sense. Like, why are we, you know, what's all the tension about? I'm just trying to put on a nice event for the community. <laughs> but this year, it was so cool because we were having our after event event. Um, Party with some of the, the volunteers and people who I've served alongside with, and many are on our team have served alongside with for, for many years now. And one of the guys said, You know, when your church first came, you said you were going to help out with our event. I was like, Yeah, right. You'll be here for about a year and then you'll be gone. And then he said, but I've seen just the impact that you've made in this community. And I just want to commend you guys for being here. And I was like, that's it. That's it. Right? Like there's people that might never walk into a service. And they might be the only, I I might be the only pastor they know but I want to be there for them. And it's not just pastors, but it's you. Every church member, every person who calls himself a believer in Jesus Christ, do you believe that the importance of you being in their life is that important? Or are you believing a different message that's a lie from the enemy? Oh, your life doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that, you know, the, the, my friends will probably tell me, They don't believe in God in any way and all this other stuff. And you never really live out your faith and you just isolate it and keep it private. See, at the end of the day, how can you start to see yourself as a missionary to your workplace, your neighborhood, the city? Ray Bakke said, if you have a great or if you have a vision for a great church, you end up with neither a great church nor a great city. But if you have a vision for a great city, you end up with both a great city and a great church. That's what God said. He said, seek the prosperity of the city. Pray for it. Pray for where I've sent you. And in their prospering, you will prosper. And so what does Babylon tell us today? Here's what it says. If you want to be happy, build your uh, bank account up, find security in your wealth and your possessions. Babylon says, carefully build your reputation, resume, and status because that's your true identity. Babylon says, you do you. Make the most of your life by pursuing what you've been most passionate about and what your dreams are. Live out your dreams because you deserve it. That's what Babylon says. What does Jesus say? What do we see in the life of Jesus? Jesus became poor, having no place to lay his head so that we could have the eternal richness and eternal home in God that we all need. Jesus laid down his identity as God by coming in human likeness and taking on the form of a servant, ultimately dying on the cross. Jesus denied himself, so and denied what he truly deserved so that you and I could get what we don't deserve. Do you see that that's the gospel message? Do you see that that's the life he's calling us to? My encouragement is to look to Jesus, the one who was eternally exiled for us, so that we could be eternally received by God. Our true home. Our true home in God. Friends, that is the counterculture that we're talking about. And so how do we seek this, the welfare of the city? It starts with understanding that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Let's pray. God, we come to you today. I just thank you for your grace and for the way that you've worked. I mean, there's so many times that in my own strength I would have given up, but it, it was because of you, Lord. And I know many here, they, there's, there's struggles, there's thoughts of, I want to give up. But I just pray that in, in our midst, Lord, you will build resilient disciples. But we've got to understand where we're at. We're just passing through this world. This isn't our true home. Our true home is with you. And so as we live in this city, help us to seek the prosperity of the city. Help us to seek the goodness of the city. Help us to seek the welfare of the city, Lord, through praying and proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Gray City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.